Now, back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn, Good & Jean Company, and Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back in to Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios and joining us now to talk college basketball like he does every single Wednesday afternoon. Kevin Sweeney from CBB Central joins us now. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. I want to start uh, like we usually do with the Tigers. They've now lost three straight games following the loss on Sunday uh, in Birmingham against UAB. This team is just really struggling uh, in all aspects, and I think a lot of people are keeping their eye on the potential seed line for this team as we start getting closer and closer to March. I know uh, you hosted and, and helped out with the Field of 68 and their Bracketology show, uh, and, and on that show uh, they had Memphis as a 9 seed playing uh, St. John's in the first round in the 9-8 game. Uh, if they were to win that, they would get Purdue in the second round. Uh, what What is the biggest takeaway for you when you've watched this Tiger team over the last couple of weeks, and what do you make um, uh, of their tournament seed line currently? Yeah, I, look, I think the thing that's frustrating is that you know the first two losses should have been a wake-up call, right? Mm-hmm. You had a week after South Florida and Tulane to reset to refocus, to re-energize, and to turn around. And look, UAB's talented. That's not an easy place to play on the road, but to turn around and turn the ball over 22 times, uh, to give up 16 offensive rebounds, right? Like, those things cannot happen, right? You you don't win many basketball games when you do those two things. And so um, I I think that speaks to kind of a lack of focus, lack of effort, maybe a lack um, lack of seriousness to the situation that Memphis is in. And uh, they've dug themselves a bit of a hole here quickly. You know, they, they have, um, you know, still still a solid resume. I still think they're a tournament team as of today. As you said, I think that, you know, 8-9 range is probably about right at the moment. But, you know, that's that's an area of the bracket that I think Memphis has wanted to escape all year, right? I think you look you, you look back at the last couple of years and say, oh, well, you know, they're playing really well. They have an opportunity to make some noise and just ran into such a difficult portion of the bracket, right? Obviously, two years ago, beat Boise and have to play you know, the overall number one seed in Gonzaga, um, you know, this past year now, uh, you know, FAU, even if you had gotten past that, maybe the bracket opens up, but theoretically you would have had to play Purdue uh, again, one of the you know, number one seed. Like that, that's not what you want to have to be walking into. So even if Memphis does right to ship the stretch, I think, you know, we'll, we'll look back on as being, you know, somewhat damaging. Yeah, I don't think teams need to be in the bracket against the one seed Purdue and hope that lightning strikes twice in back-to-back years and three times ever for 16 over one, it you know, and it, it may have opened up, you know, so, so many so many around here, you know, just kind of with that certainty of that, that Memphis was going to beat Tennessee. I, I, you know, Tennessee fans all have that same certainty on the other side. That would have been anything but an easy game, but we'll never know because of the the loss to FAU. Uh, how how far is too far gone for for Memphis? How many more losses can they take? in the conference? I think they have a little bit of room. Like, I think they can take three losses, but you want those losses three to more? be... I think they can take three more and still make the tournament, but they need to be, like, on the road at SMU or on the road at FAU. They can't lose to Wichita State at home. Right. They can't lose to Rice at home. Like, like, like they can't take any more bad ones. I, I, think they can, I think they can add a couple of quad one losses, especially if they get a couple of quad one wins back, right? If they split... 
you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm looking at the schedule here, right? Like they have at North Texas, at SMU, um, you know, home FAU at mm-hmm. FAU. Like if you if you lost two of those and then a conference tournament game, yeah. I think you'd be okay. But I think you'd wind up in that eight, nine, ten, maybe even eleven seed range. What would losing at East Carolina do to you? Huh. It, it would hurt, right? I mean, that, and that's the problem. I think they've given away a lot of that uh, buffer. Now, I think if you're if you're Memphis, you're hoping maybe UAB can get back into quadrant two, and yeah. maybe you have a little bit more pad again. But it's not really the way you want to be making the NCAA tournament, right? Like you don't want to sneak in because UAB was one thirty four instead of one thirty seven or whatever there. You know, we we get you know very local centric, very myopic. Are, is is there another team out there kind of suffering the same woes as Memphis that maybe two three weeks ago in good shape and it, the last few weeks have just cr- kind of cratered them? I think the decline for Memphis has been more precipitous. I think part of that is we don't necessarily see that because they're playing good teams. Like I think the team I would point to similarly would be Villanova, a team obviously that Memphis played earlier in the yeah. year. They've lost now uh, six of seven. But, like, you look at all those games, they're games that you could lose, right? You lost to Marquette last night. All right, like, it, it happens. You lost on the road to Butler. All right, I think Butler's pretty good. Like, all of those results combined present a problem for Villanova. But individually, you're not looking and saying, wow, like, they lost to that team. Yeah. They lost to that team, right? So um, I think Memphis is somewhat unique in that regard. You know, Villanova, though, in a, in a very difficult spot at 11 and 10. Uh, you know, very much back against the wall now to try to get to the NCAA tournament. And boy, what a failure that would be with um, the talent on this roster and the amount of money spent. I mean, it, it has been widely reported. They spent $3 million to build this roster in the offseason. And uh, you look around and the results don't, don't, don't back that up. Yeah, no, no, they do not. You mentioned that Marquette and uh, Villanova game, and Marquette dealing with some injuries. Tyler Colick comes out and has an, an unbelievable game, 32 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists. When you look at this Marquette team, a big road victory for them. They're sitting at 16-5 and five right now on the season. How good is this Marquette team? I still really like them. Um, you know, they've, they haven't been quite as sharp offensively as they were a season ago, and part of that's just you know, guys have regressed a little bit shooting the ball. Like, I don't think it was sustainable for Tyler Kolick to be 40% from three last year. Right. Maybe not sustainable for, um, you know, some of their role players to shoot it as well as they shot it. And I think this year, you know, it's been a little bit more challenging, but they're still really tough to defend because they have a great point guard. They have a big who can really pass an Oso Iguodaro. Um, They space it on the wing. They play really hard. They play really connected. Um you know, and they've, they've quietly started to figure things out again, winning five straight. You know, they they had, they had a rough patch. They lost at home to Butler, started two and three in the league, kind of everyone waving the white flag. And and I think I think Marquette has, has started to, to settle in. They're not as deep as they were a year ago. They've had some injuries that have really hurt them. Sean Jones, their backup point guard, kind of a mm-hmm. heart and soul guy, energy wise. That, that 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 loss has hurt. But I think this is a team that that can push in the Big East, and if nothing else, I think will be a factor maybe in the second weekend come at the tournament time. You would never get Texas Athletics Director Chris Del Conte to admit this, but he would take both of his head coaches back right now over what he has, wouldn't he? I mean, it, it is unbelievable uh, <laughs> to kind of look back on, right, the, the, how the success that those two guys are having away from Austin. Now, now look, I will say this. Roddy Terry deserves some credit. I, I, I kind of piled on after the one and three start. They bounced back well. They beat Baylor. They won at Oklahoma. Yeah, they were really in that game on Monday against Houston, had a mm-hmm. great opportunity to win against a great Houston team. So I, I give RT credit in that regard. But you know, I still think bigger picture, you have some questions about the direction here. And, like, 
you know, if, if, if what Shaka did, I mean, look, Beard's situation is its own, um, yeah. entity, but what, if what Shaka did wasn't good enough at Texas, like, I, I just don't see a world where Rodney Terry is able to do more than that. Like, I, I think, I think it feels inevitable that he'll be on the hot seat sooner rather than later. It's just a matter of, can he at least make the tournament this year and keep things at bay for, for the time being? And down the stretch of that game Monday night between Houston and Texas, I'm I'm watching it and I'm just thinking massive coaching mismatch here. A hundred percent, right? And look, I understand why Texas is in the position they had, they they were in terms of feeling like they had to hire Rodney Terry, but like I, I think you felt it. Like what, what what as soon as you made the move, when you really took a step back and you looked at the league, you're like, all right, like who do we have the better coach then? We're Texas, we should have you know, the pick of the litter, who do we have the better coach stand in the Big 12 right now? Maybe a couple guys, but not many. And and next year in the SEC, I mean, I'm not taking Ronnie Terry over Bruce Pearl. I'm not taking him over Rick Barnes. I'm not taking him over John Calipari. I'm not taking him over Chris Beard. I'm not taking him over Chris Jans, the Mississippi State, who I think done tremendous job. So, um, you know, Nate Oates, I mean, the, the list goes on. I think that's, that's the most challenge. Yeah, he goes on and on. I mean, you got to right. get and down to Jerry Stackhouse, really. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, if Rodney Terry can recruit at an elite level, he has a chance. Anything less, I think it's it's going to be ugly pretty quickly. All right, you mentioned the three million for the Villanova roster composition for this year and this year alone. Do you think these conversations are being had between AD booster collective head? We can't do both. We can't have big expensive coach and big expensive roster. And I bring that up for just somebody to make the unbelievable offer to Kelvin Sampson at the end of this year. And, and it, it would have to be a place that could do both. Do you think that, that push and pull is being, being discussed? I think it is. Look, I, I think the faucet will run out eventually. Like, I, I think for now, there's kind of an energy among most booster bases and uh, an opportunity. It feels like, oh, we can go, we can get great players. I, I think, look, the reason why people donate insane amounts of money to college sports programs is that they want to feel like they're part of it. Access. Right? Like there, there's, mm-hmm. there's a rare opportunity to like, all right, like, like I get to be part of trying to build a, a program. To go on that team you, charter. Right. You're playing fantasy basketball and it's awesome. But at some point people are going to get tired of spending the amount of money that they're spending, especially if it's just producing, you know, mediocre transfer portal products. Right. Like, I think teams are going to have to be smarter with their money. Um, I do think that the biggest thing remains the coach. And at the end of the day, like if you don't have that guy, it's not going to matter how much you spend. I think that's what Villanova is running into with, with Kyle Neptune. Like I, I, he's just not Jay Wright. And that's not an expectation. Maybe it's a, a fair expectation, but like he's nowhere close. And when, when the standard is all of a sudden national championships mm-hmm. and you're 11 and 10 in year two, it can get ugly in a hurry. Yeah, it can get real. We're talking to Kevin Sweeney. He joins us every week to talk college basketball. Follow him on Twitter at CBB underscore Central. Well, uh, one of the games of the night last night, uh, North Carolina traveling down to Atlanta to face Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech at home gets the 74-73 to win. I thought it was a super intriguing game on both sides. On one side with North Carolina, R.J. Davis scores 29. You don't get, or excuse me, 28. You don't get much else um, from, from anybody 
everybody else on that team. Harrison Ingram, uh, Cormac Ryan combined for six for 28 from the field. Elliot Cadeau gets five fouls in the second half. They don't get much from their bench. And on the other side, Georgia Tech, Damon Stoudemire's first season. Uh, the record doesn't look good, but uh, you can see them getting better. They've got this uh, freshman point guard that played really well last night. And you look up and Georgia Tech now has three wins in conference over North Carolina, Duke, and Clemson. What did you make of that game last night? I mean, it's, that's a program builder win for, for Damon. Sure. I mean, what a, what a tremendous victory, something that he can use to sell to, to the fan base, to, to co-contribute from an NIL standpoint to these players, right? I mean, they're playing two freshmen, huge roles. Uh, Brian Dongo, who was you know limited yesterday, and then mm-hmm. Nate George, the point guard you mentioned, who really has come out of nowhere. I mean, this was guy was like an unranked recruit six months ago, and now he's Crazy. a starting point guard in the ACC. Um, you know that's 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 monstrous for them, and I, and I think you know they will gain some pretty substantial momentum in recruiting. Like I think guys will want to play for Damon once he shows the proof of concept, and wins like that are are, are, are certainly that. Now for Carolina, like I, I think this game is a good indicator of some of the limitations there. Like this is not as talented a team, even as last year's Carolina team that obviously missed the tournament. Uh, they're a team that has great role allocation. But when you do that, sometimes like you're going to have nights like that where guys aren't aren't clicking, other than RJ, who's your you know unquestioned superstar. Baycott has not been like the dominant post presence he was early in his career. I think he's just kind of taking a lot of miles on his body and is worn down. He's playing a different role as well stylistically. They don't post him as much. Uh, I think for spacing purposes. Um, so so I, I I just think they're a little bit more vulnerable to games like this on the road. End of the day, they're nine and one in the league for a reason. They're really good. Um, they've played a great defensive um, schedule the last month. I mean, they've been unbelievable on that end of the floor. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, that, that's a loss you don't want to have. You know, that's their tech team. They've been competitive. But, you know, two and seven in the league for a reason. That's a game you got to find a way to win on the road. How good is the ACC, Kevin? I mean, when I saw Clemson here back right before Christmas, I thought a real good team. I look at the ACC standings right now, and they're 10th. Yeah, look, I mean, Clemson has been somewhat disappointing here lately and, and has kind of opened themselves up back towards the bubble. I think still in good position, but, you know, Brad Brownell has a way of, of always finding his way somewhat adjacent to the hot seat. So, so here we are again. Um, look, I think the league has two really good teams in North Carolina and Duke and a bunch of decent teams. And the question is, like, do those decent teams wind up settling in all as bubble teams? Do some of them settle in as tournament teams? Or do they all wind up on the outside looking in? Someone will get in because someone has to win the games, right? Like, I've seen John Rothstein tweet about the potential for a two-bit ACC. Like, to me, that's ludicrous. Yeah. Like, there's zero chance that that happens because whether it's Wake Forest or Florida State or Virginia or Clemson, like, someone's going to get on a tear. They're going to win five or six straight. Like, it would be almost impossible to engineer a scenario otherwise. But I'm not sure there's a team outside of Duke and Carolina. Clemson's probably the one you'd say most confidently that you're, 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 you're considering a locked tournament. I mean, Miami now 5-5 five and five in the league. They've got a lot of work to do to get back in the mix. Wake has to win on the road starting tonight at Pitt. Um, you know, NC State probably not quite good enough. Virginia Tech probably not quite good enough. Florida State has been very good lately but struggled in the non-conference. So uh, a lot of those teams have questions to answer here in the final month, month and a half of the season and have some work to do to gain ground for the selection committee's purposes. 
Uh, Kevin, you just mentioned talking about uh, that that North Carolina and Georgia Tech team about you know North Carolina being on the road. I saw this stat uh, Friday. It's gotten a lot of traction uh, since it's posted. The numbers have changed a little with all the games that have happened since then. Uh, but Brandon Ramsey uh, tweeted out: AP top ten teams are now as of Friday uh, seventeen and twenty seven. That's thirty eight point six percent this season on the road against unranked opponents. I think that's up a little bit. I think it's around about 40%, 41% um, right now. Really hard to win on the road, especially this season. What do you credit that to? Is it the transfer portal and just seeing so many different guys at new places from different levels? What do you credit this this kind of stat to? Yeah, look, I think I think it's a little bit of everything, yeah. right? I think every... It, every time there's like a shocking result, I think we did this last year with March Madness on all the upsets. Like mm-hmm. everyone wants to be like, oh, it's the portal. Oh, it's NIL. Like I think it's the portal. I think it's NIL. It's coaching carousel turnover from yeah. at, at the biggest programs. I think it's, um, you know, conference realignment. Some of these programs not being as familiar with one another. Like I, I truly think it's a little bit of everything. I think honestly, it's student engagement. Like I look around college basketball, mm. there's some incredible atmosphere. Yeah. And I give it credit. I mean, but there's, there's so much like narrative out there. Oh, you know, college kids today don't care about live sports. They don't care about X. They want to watch TikTok all day. Like, like I look around the country and I see places that aren't traditionally great atmospheres turning into them. Ole Miss last night, a great mm-hmm. example. Northwestern, you know, my alma mater has, has become one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. I never thought I would say that when I was a student three years ago. Right. Like, I think that that probably is maybe the, the factor that no one's talking about. Like, these atmospheres are just really tough to play in right now. Yeah, th- th- they are, in- including some in-, in the Pac-12. Now, I know it was UCLA, but the crowd at the USC, at the home game for USC, uh, th- they don't always even get that even when UCLA goes cross town. It's wild, especially given the fact that USC has struggled so much, right? And, and all the buzz and excitement about this team is, has fizzled and, and people still turned out, right? Like it's, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's marketing departments doing a good job or, or kids just wanting to, to be a part of something. But I mean, look, I, I think you know, there, there's so many think pieces about like where the state of college basketball or the state of college sports is. And, like, yes, you, you can, you can get bogged down in the weeds and worry about NIL and worry about how X is changing, Y is changing. But like, it's hard to feel like the thing's collapsing when you turn on the TV every night see, the product on the floor and the fan bases and the commitment, you know, across college basketball to, you know, people, people wanting to, to watch, right? Like, I, I don't know what the ratings numbers are year over year. I just, I just, I just watch the games and I see a really, really high level product and a really engaged kind of national fan base yeah. right now. Kevin, I'm with you. I, I, I watch the games and boy, don't we have the places to go watch them forever. And I think it made them as the, as as the network that it was and it, that it became, college basketball was right there, uh, planting the seed at ESPN late seventies, early eighties, and the the popularity of, of of Dick Vitale. But what Fox is doing now and their coverage of it, that Fox pregame football show is so good. The basketball is is just as good. The games, the announcers, I, I love Tim Brando. I think Fox is is really making it to where more people can see kind of games that they might not normally uh, watch on a on a Saturday afternoon, even even on a Friday night in some of their primetime games. And I'm going to give credit to the CW. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's been awesome. I think Fox, yeah. like Fox's investment in Friday night college basketball has been great. 
the Big East, the Mountain West. Fox uh-huh. deal with them, I think, has been great in yeah. terms of exposure. Uh, you mentioned CW, things like that, to get a little, little extra exposure. I will say, too, I mean, look, it's, I don't think any fan loves the move to streaming service galore, but, like, I think the product that Peacock is putting out for the Big Ten oh, yeah. looks awesome. Like, I think the presentation is great. The broadcasters are great. You know, Benetti's incredible. Robbie Hummel, uh, obviously, does a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Good friends with Robbie. Like, like I, I, I truly think that, like, people, once they get over the hump of, like, man, I have to pay 20 bucks for this, like, I think people are, are going to really enjoy what they're watching on Peacock. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I hope that college basketball can be a vehicle to help you know, the, the entire college sports um, industrial complex grow across different networks, right? Like, at the end of the day, when we complain that every realignment decision gets made about football, it's because football is the thing making the money. Well, yeah. if college basketball starts making money, we'll get decisions made by college basketball. So I see it as a good sign, obviously. It's bumpy. It's, it's, it's not the smoothest thing in the world to kind of figure out. But uh, I think more good than bad overall. Yeah, I'm with you. Kevin, what does your week look like this week? we going to any games? Uh, this weekend, off to Wisconsin, Purdue, and Madison. Huge game at the top of Big Ten. Uh, I'm going to stay home Saturday. Uh, just too many good ones to, to, to zoom in on, on one individually. You know, we could get you to Memphis Saturday, and these days are <laughs> these days are kind of behind me now, Kevin, but there was a time, 12 noon at FedEx Forum, game end about 2.20, 2.30, get in the car, get to Oxford for 5 o'clock tip for Auburn and Ole Miss. <laughs> I, I I try to find doubleheader opportunities as best I can. I know you guys saw me do the uh, Carolina Duke doubleheader, yeah. so yep. maybe one day I'll try to I'll try to back them up back to back. We'll have to do it. Well, Kevin, as always, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin Sweeney with us talking college basketball. And Brian, man, that used to be wheelhouse for oh, me. Oh yeah. Those days are over. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, not that's after, tough. Not after long football seasons, no. but. But you know, this year my my college basketball going something had to go. So I had sure. to I had to I had to back up on something, and I've, I've been to a Tiger game, a Ole Miss game, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna go to Fayetteville to the Arkansas Vanderbilt game in a few weeks. But How about that, uh, and, and, and the NC tournament. But but you know, but I but I mean, it used to be. Gosh, it used to be with <laughs> tournaments, forty games a year. Woo. Man. And and in those days, <laughs> I, I I can't do that. I, I didn't ask. We'll give it a week. But there's a lot of conversation of interest between Minnesota and Eric Eric Musselman. Interesting. And that that story would grow in the connection. Uh, his dad, just a certified legend yeah. in Minneapolis, both pro and college, coaching the Gophers and coaching the Timberwolves early in their franchise. And, and, and there's a lot of stories out there about his interest there. I, I'll just say this, and I think they do. They do want to keep him. If Arkansas wants to keep Eric Musselman, they're not losing him to Minnesota. No, 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 no. They're not going to lose him to Minnesota. I, I wouldn't mind him going. If he was on the move, um, I would not mind him going to Minnesota. But, uh, but yeah, if, if Arkansas wants him bad enough, they can, they can make it happen. Louisville could come open, even yeah, maybe sure. a retirement of Tom Izzo at Michigan State. I don't sure. know that, but maybe. I mean, just, just like, look, if Nick Saban retires, everybody's subject everybody to be thinking about can, it. Yeah, that's right. Anybody can retire if Nick Saban's retiring. And that Louisville job is certainly, I think, going to be open at the end of the year. And there's going to be a lot of names thrown at that does one. Does Jay Wright want to jump back yeah. in? Does Indi- Does Mike Woodson retire at IU? So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll ask about that 
next week when we visit with Kevin. This hour of our show brought to you every day by Hewlett and Dunn, Boot and Jean. They're on the historic square in Collierville. Charles Hall, he started working there in his teens, and now with, with his wife, Laura, they own the place, known for all the boots, but also for clothing, accessories, outerwear, and a cap for any team and for any season. Western wear, work boots, safety toe, soft toe, rubber boots, they've got you covered. Boots for every occasion at Hewlett and Dunn from head to toe. They've got got you covered with every brand imaginable, like Dan Post, Ariat, Anderson Bean, Filson. Whether for men or for women, you will enjoy the shopping experience there, and you will enjoy the historic square in Collierville. Men's and women's clothing, pants, jeans, shirts, shorts, outerwear, and the best duckhead collection you'll find anywhere. Charles and Laura Hall invite you to come by 111 North Center Street or go to HewlettDunn.com but they prefer you to come by and visit with them and go in that store and feel the family atmosphere on the square in Collierville. Sunglasses, boot care products, hats, and every area team snapback cool hat you can think of. For the Tigers, get that hat and wear it to FedEx Forum tonight. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and the Razorbacks. The travel bag selection, it is top-notch for any travel you're getting ready to do. HewlettDunn.com, but come by and visit and say hello at 111 North Center Street. On the square in Collierville at Hewlett and Dunn. Well, let's get to a break. On the other side, we'll talk about what's trending. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn Boot & Jean Company in Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Back in sports time. We got a little less than 30 minutes left in today's show. We're only a couple hours away from Tigers and Rice tonight. FedEx Forum over on ESPN Plus. Uh, Greg Gaston will be doing the game on ESPN Plus. With John Albright. That's right. So you can listen to uh, to Greg and John tonight. Um, but Brett, you were telling me during the break, Tigers' last loss to Rice was 2011. Only lost to Rice. Tigers, according wow. to the Tigers game notes, Tigers, Tigers lead the series all time 9-1. Last Rice win February 19th, 2011, 67-52 in Houston. That was Josh's second year because I told you off there, I don't remember us going crazy over it. Now I know why. Because that was Josh's second year uh, and I gave him almost the yeah. three year really uh, into the fourth year. But he, but he started, he started, he started winning. It wasn't it wasn't constant unmitigated right. criticism and pressure on Josh, just as it was not on Coach Coach Hardaway for most of his tenure. Here's what changes it: when you don't advance in the NCAA tournament, you start losing too often to people you shouldn't sure, lose to. Sure, and that and I think you know going back to and, and Kevin brought it up as well. I mean. Right, we talked all off season about this has got to be the year where you get out of that eight nine game, and now it looks second like weekend. A, that was the stated goal, and it seems like everybody now um, has them back in that eight nine game, and so uh, it's just uh, I think it's disappointing to be sitting here thinking of going right back to the eight nine game, and and, and it, it makes people mad at any criticism, but when 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 they're winning and and support. 
and praise is there, we I we give it. When they mm. don't, then I, I'm not. If you if you want a cheerleader, I'm not it. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, right now, this, this Tiger team is just not playing well at all. And, uh, you know, whatever reason you want to give for why they're not playing, well, they're just not. And so, uh, I need to see something tonight against, against a team like Rice. I, I don't, I, I'm, I swear I'm not trying to crack too hard on anybody, but I think sports information in the game notes may have copy and pasted UAB's information under Rice because in that section, mm. Memphis opponent comparisons got the Tigers record 15-5. It's got Rice 12-7. That was UAB. Yeah. And then for all the numbers, effort, it's got Rice, uh, net is 148. Rice's net is, is 248. They in in they, in two days they haven't dropped a hundred spots. No, no, in the net. no, no. They but have but, not. but that that happened. I'm not sure. I'm not cracking on that. But I, I was I was seeing that and I thought you know something something's not right here. But I I, I don't remember uh, any outrage over the 2011 loss. Uh-uh. But it will be tonight. But they're not going to lose. That's right. They're gonna they're gonna win this game. They're gonna right that ship. And I I just went back because I was curious. You know. What was the score of that game? What happened around that game um, in, in 2011? A loss on the road, 67-52. Next game out at home, a 69-58 win over Houston. So, you know, bounced back nicely after that uh, that loss. Rise. But then lost to UTEP the game after that. Pretty bad, 74-47. to Holy cow. Um, I yeah, that, was, that, that was Josh's second yes. team that won – the automatic bid, didn't uh, they? Didn't they win the conference sure. tournament? Oh, Brett, I remember this season very down in El Paso, well. right? Down in El Paso yep. against UTEP in the championship against game. Against Tim Floyd. An early morning championship mm-hmm. game. It was like 10.30 in the morning. They won that. I went to Memphis baseball after that. Oh, you're so right about that. What a great... And then you mentioned, we were talking about this um, after that, played uh, Arizona really close in Should the first round. Yeah, a, a two-point loss to Arizona in the first round of the tournament. And and then... then <laughs> That offered up maybe some of the worst advice oh, no. ever given to anybody, and I'm I'm sure Josh is as he did with a lot of people fanned out to a lot of people uh, their opinion in, on on this subject. So that night, the Tigers are lost on a Friday, I think, to Arizona. Sure did, yeah. And and I text you, know, tough loss, good year. You you got a lot to to to, to build. And, and grow on it, you know, re- recruiting really well. Sure. The, I get no answer that, that night. The next morning, I, I, I keep my phone on silent constantly. Because yeah. on, on there, all, right. all the time, right. I keep it, keep it on, on silent. The next morning, like at 7.20, the next morning on Saturday morning, I hear my phone jiggling by my bed. I'm, I'm not right. up yet. Right. And, and I look and it, it, it I, I had it in my phone book, CJP, Coach Josh Pasher. Uh-huh. And I answer it, and he goes, hey, thanks for the text last night. He goes, I got the Oklahoma job. What do you think about it? Oh. And, and, and some of the worst advice oh, no. ever. I said, oh, no, 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 Josh, you don't want to do that. You're going to the Final Four next year at oh, Memphis. No. I, and I, I said, you don't want to get at a football <laughs> school and, and get devoured, you know, by the football monster. Oh, and, no. and and while we were visiting, and I, I said, Josh, but I, I, I would tell you something you do need to do. I said, is your dad still handling, you know, all your contract stuff? He said, yeah. I said, it's, t- it's time you got a real agent. I said, I'm not running your dad down, but you need a real agent. And and uh, and, and, and I see only the best in the world. Right, right, right down the street at <laughs> Poplar and 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 Ridgeway. That's right. But boy, what terrible advice! Oh I, man. And, you know, and, and I, I'm sure Josh probably sent the the, the same 
phone call and text out to 50 sure. people. Sure. I'm not, I wasn't right. anything special. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Wow. Well, uh, he ought to hate. So they hired Lon Kruger. He ought to hate me for oh, that advice. Man. Oh, man. Wow. That is, uh, that's hilarious. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm starting to remember this season very, very well. Oh, now that and I'm you, I know who the goat, and I don't mean greatest of all time, was in that game, too. Uh, against Arizona? Yeah, that was uh, the Wesley Witherspoon. Uh, was it Spoon? I yeah. love Spoon. How about this? Uh, don't. Oh, man. Spoon, uh, speak of the devil, a um, couple years ago, a long time ago, now I was in high school when it came out, but uh, Kyrie Irving starred in a movie, um, and uh, Wesley Witherspoon made an appearance in it, playing basketball, and I was shocked. And I, I was in the theater. Yeah, it was uh, Uncle Drew. And uh, he was one of the guys that was like on the opposing team or something like that. I almost jumped out of my seat in the movie theater and yelled, It's Spoon! And I didn't. I held back. But I was shocked. Well, and, and for that same advice that he was recruiting so well, here's what here's how Coach Penny Hardaway is recruited at Memphis. Okay. I went last night I'm using rivals as my reference. And anytime I mention rivals, somebody goes, oh, you need to use 247. Uh, yeah, if I mention 247, uh, look, rivals. Uh, here's rivals. I don't care which one. They're, yeah, they're all yeah. about the same. It's pre-med <laughs> or pre-law. It's all about the same. So since Penny Hardaway has been head coach at Memphis, signing high school players, I'm not – this is not transfer. This is not uh, – Anything else? It's just high school players. He has signed twenty-seven players. Okay. He has signed five five stars, fourteen four stars, wow. seven three stars, and one two star. Okay. Jaden Hardaway, his son, the only two star that he has signed. Five of those players, four of the five five stars, have made it to the NBA. One four star has made it to the NBA. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, two. Two four stars, Lester Quinones, and and one three star in Josh Minot mm-hmm. made it to the NBA. So here, here are the five stars that he signed: Precious Chua, James Wiseman speaks for itself. Absolutely, uh, Musa Cisse, I think it speaks for itself. Amani yeah. Bates and Jalen Duran, and four of those five have made it to they they made it to the NBA. Wow. Here's the four stars: Antoine Jones, Tyler Harris, mm-hmm. Alex Lomax, Boogie Ellis. Lester Quinones, Damian Ball, DJ Jeffries, he had three last night. Mm. Malcolm Dandridge, help me with the pronunciation, Sam A.O. Sam Onu, that's like his, he doesn't go by both those names. Sa- just Sam Onu. Sam Onu, yeah. Uh, Jordan Nesbitt, yeah. Ashton Hardaway, J.J. Taylor, Mikey Williams, Carl Sharon Font. Mm. Three stars, David Winsett, is that correct pronunciation? Correct. Yeah, nailed it. Isaiah Maurice, Ryan Boyce, Amon Rand. John Camden, Jonathan Lawson, Josh Minot, and the two star we mentioned was was Jaden Hardaway. Yeah. Huh. That's the player signed. Huh. Interesting. Well, most of the, I mean, huh, huh. I was gonna say most of the five stars worked out, but one of those five stars had to transfer after the season. One of the five stars you got three games out of. Right. Um. So I guess two of them panned out. Bates and Cisse. Bus. Uh, well, certainly here. Yeah, certainly here. Um, yeah, I'd say out of those five stars, you got three, three or two. No, two. Two played well for you. I would and, say. and then my theory about whether it's four star or the moniker of Mister Basketball, uh, who's not? Uh, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of Mister Basketballs. A ton lot of Mister Basketballs. basketballs a lot of four stars. And a right. lot of four stars. I mean, Tyler Harris, a four star. Uh-huh. Well, that's the thing, Brett, um, is nowadays, I mean, I see a lot of guys, um, and it's no, no offense to them, but I, 
I'll use some of my buddies I played with in high school. I'll use them as example. I had a lot of friends that were rated a three-star, and they would go find somewhere that had them a four-star. I, I remember one person in particular that went and found himself as a four-star. Just go shopping. And uh, put it on his Twitter and was like, hey, I'm a four-star. And I was like, eh, you're a three-star. But, you know, whatever. I, I don't give out stars, so, you know, just go show it in college, I guess. And, you know, th- there's just no value for any two star, right? Yeah, no, it's it's certainly. And then not. some of those three stars again. I mean, who, what Josh Minot's the the best three star player? Yeah, and uh, yeah, what's he? Uh, I guess I mean he's in the G League right now, but you mm-hmm. know didn't give you much while he was here. Um, ne- next super to nothing. Raw, super raw when he was here. Um, so yeah, I mean not a, not a ton of those guys have really panned out. And you know, if you want to go do the research at two four seven, go ahead. Sure, go go right ahead. Go I bet it won't it. be much different. No, I'm sure it will be uh, uh, very similar. I would say I'd be shocked if uh, stars were differ on on more than a couple of those guys. And but you know, but Boogie Ellis, one of those four stars, Mister Pac twelve, Mister Basketball, <laughs> Mister Basketball, that's right. A lot of misters, a lot of just misters. N- not never Mister Consistent, never Mister Memphis either. Really, for most of those guys. So and DJ Jeffries last night, I, every time he got the ball, it didn't scare me. Mm, yeah, no, it's it's interesting when you lay it out like that. And, and Brett, I think the biggest thing, and I, I went through and was looking at a lot of the guys, a lot of those guys, you look at where they ended their career, not at Memphis for, for most of those guys. Um, and so, uh, or you could throw in, um, you know, a guy like James Wiseman who was out after well, three Well, you games. understand Precious Chua going pro, though. Right, right, but I'm saying transferred out. A lot of those guys oh, I see. transferred right. out of here and finished their career, whether it be one year, three, well, two years. Well, of year. the five stars, Jalen Duran finished here, yep. and Achua finished here. Yeah, Wiseman had the it. NCAA yeah. difficulties. Uh-huh. Uh, Cissé didn't. Yeah. Bates didn't. Yeah. Four stars, Jones didn't. Nope. He still Harris played. did, didn't. Yeah. Alex Lomax did. Boogie uh-huh. Ellis didn't. Kenyonis uh-huh. did. Yep. Vaughn Jeffries didn't. Right. Dandridge did. Onu Nesbitt didn't. Right. To be determined on Ashton Hardaway. JJ yeah. Taylor and Mikey Williams Certainly won't. Yeah. Didn't. And Carl Sharon fan, it doesn't feel good about it. Yeah. So I mean, out of those guys, I think five that that you know either went to the NBA or graduated from the University of Memphis. Um, that that is uh, you know one to to certainly keep an eye on. And, and, and that debunks the whole well, he's recruiting at a high right, level. Right. Yeah, but we don't we don't get to see we don't yeah. get to senior night with anybody. <laughs> no, that's a good point. One and senior nights uh, dwindling at a lot of places. And if you do get a senior night, it's guys that have been there for uh, for one year or so. So it's it's certainly interesting. We don't get to junior night with many. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, let's go ahead and get to our final break of the day. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show with Taco Bell Crunch Time. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn Boot & Jean Company in Collierville. Once again, here are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. This is pretty cool, and we're just getting started, so... This is for all the biggest crunch time. You are looking live. In your life have you 
seen anything like that. Goodbye. It's obviously crunch time. Hammer, nail, coffin. This baby is over. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito. So good. Double the steak with nacho cheese sauce, seasoned rice, red strips, sour cream, and the three cheese blend wrapped inside a warm flour tortilla with even more three cheese blend grilled on the top. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito, it hits the spot now at Taco Bell. And at Taco Bell, when they say they are feeding people's lives with unexpected good, they mean it. Bowl food you can't get anywhere else. Well, Brett, what I learned today, ESPN Plus had a story out today. College football coaching hot seat 2024. Names already on the list. On the hot seat right now, according to ESPN, Sam Pittman, uh, Dave Aranda at Baylor, and Billy Napier at Florida. I think uh, at least two of those we have talked about a lot in Billy Napier and Sam Pittman. We know how much pressure they have going into the season. On uh, Keep an eye on uh, is a section they have some names to note under there. Chip Kelly at UCLA, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Ryan Day at Ohio State, and Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. So already we're a, a while away from the start of college football. Still uh, looking at hot seats. May I add one more from the SEC to keep eye on? Please. Don't go 6-6, six and six, you freeze. Ooh. Really good point. We see they, how... They, uh, they're not going to buy your act down new, there for, new, for for long. No, they're ready to win down there. Better win eight. Yes. yes. Better win eight and, and, and better be prepared for the bowl game this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I learned, can't trust Tennessee. Score 59 at home. Dalton Connect has 31 of those. They just play too tight. I said earlier, it just reminds me too much of the offensive grind, almost searching for the greatest shot ever, playing the rightest of right ways. Rick Barnes sometimes reminds me of Eddie Sutton like that, and it just makes it too tight, and at the end, it can get away from you. Yeah, no, you're right about that. What I could have done without, we talked about it earlier, and Shelby Mast was really holding, he's the one guy I was holding out hope on with the Tigers on the seven line, but it really looks like now the Tigers uh, eight and nine are really the only places you can find them uh, in terms of bractology, and you know, we talked about it. And tonight won't improve it. Yeah, no, no, it certainly won't, but we've been talking all year, all offseason, this has got to be the year where they do not finish out on the eight line or the nine line. Got to finish higher. It looked like for most of the non-conference, even the start of the conference slate, that they were going to be able to do that, and now here we are going into February talking about being close to that bubble. That that eleven and two was just ideal, and now have played themselves into trouble. Into tonight's uh, must win and must look good status. I could have done without the PGA Tour. They had the cash or the ability to tap into more cash mm, the yeah. whole time. They got really fat and happy. They got comfortable, and now it shows with the biggest bank accounts and sports coming together and investing in the tour. They see. The, the opportunity there for all those people to make a lot of money. I love how they described it, that it was a, a far-profit group. <laughs> yeah, that's how they got that rich. They like profit. Yeah, they like yeah. making money. No, they absolutely love making profit. Where are you beaming tonight? 
beam me to 33 and 15. Mm. The champs, Denver. I know mm. all the coverage is about what LeBron had for lunch this af- afternoon. Uh, but, but there's more out there in, in the NBA world. I know there's a lot of the coverage for him being the champions of the end season tournament. But give me Denver in Oklahoma City tonight, 32 and 15. Thunder, they're tied in the all important loss column. It's two versus three right now in seeds. Brett, that is a really good one, but I don't know if it tops the rematch of the NIT championship from last year, 8 o'clock tonight. You can name any two teams and I wouldn't know. <laughs> UAB on the road at <laughs> North Texas, a conference matchup. You kidding me? That was the NIT final last it, year? It sure was, and North Texas won it. They're giving out commemorative uh, NIT championship tickets to students tonight. Who, who, who won? North Texas did. It was a huge night. It's going to be a huge night down for North Texas right now. And Brett, don't look now, but Georgia up 22-10 to start the game over Alabama. Look at you, dogs. Look at you, Mike White. Would, would uh, any kind of loss anytime soon for the Tigers, we don't do it, do we? We don't go to Barking Crow, do we? Oh, Brett, I've already been. You have? Uh-huh. I put in the search the other night. I put in Barking Dog and came up with everything Uh on Barking Dog. Then I remembered, like, the next day it's Barking Crow. Barking Ten NBA games night, 58 college basketball games. February 1st, closing in on us Tigers against Rice at FedEx Forum. Break out the scan count and have a good laugh when they say the box score is 10,000. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be interesting tonight. 7 o'clock over on ESPN Plus down at FedEx Forum. Tigers and Rice, that's what everyone here locally will be paying attention to. But that's all the time we have. Enjoy your night. We'll do it again tomorrow afternoon.